Today we're starting a three-week series on idolatry, and I hope that it's eye-opening to you. I know it certainly was to me as I was planning it and thinking about it. There are just subtle ways that sometimes we steal glory from God and elevate people to positions they weren't really meant to be elevated to. So I hope you'll stick with us all three weeks, and I really pray that it's enlightening and enriching. Hey, it's Amber L.B. Swenson, wife, mother, worrier, overthinker, type A, holding on to God and his promises to get me through the day. Thanks for joining me to explore everyday issues from a biblical perspective so we can all know and love God more. Today's episode is called The Problem with Idols in the Christian Church. I don't know how much you pay attention to Christian news, but at the end of 2020, um, early into 2021, two uh, Christian leaders in Christian organizations fell pretty hard pretty fast. Both of them were accused of sexual misconduct, and one had been a very well-respected Christian leader. The other one people had sort of been saying for a while, for months actually, you know, I think, I think maybe he's out of line, something seems not quite right. But um, I would say that for some of the people who were following the ministry of at least one of the men, um, this might be the first time, perhaps in their lives, that they were able to imagine what the people of Israel must have felt when their beloved king, David, who for years was the image of morality, really, fell into unspeakable depths. And it kind of makes us stop and pause and wonder if we've elevated Christian front men, front women to the point of idolatry. Now, I'm not so sure we do this in our our local churches, per se. I know, you know, as far as the leaders in my congregation and my pastor, you know, is my friend, and, and we try to have a good deal of grace with each other while certainly calling each other out if, um, you know, something gets out of hand or whatever. But I'd say more in nationwide ministries that, and even Christian musicians, this can become an issue. And the problem with it is really twofold. We can put undue pressure on vessels, Vessels who are supposed to be praising and pointing people towards the Creator. We can put undue pressure on them to perform for us, and we steal glory that really belongs to God. And far too many Christian front women, front men, have really gotten to the point of thinking that they're above faltering, that their word is gospel. And because people have, you know, told them how amazing they were for so long, and that's absolutely devastating for that person's faith, especially if they get to the point of thinking that they matter more than God in his word. I remember very distinctly the first Christian concert I went to was at this major auditorium. And I heard this very, very well-known Christian contemporary band. And then uh, it was the first tour for the band 10th Avenue North. And 10th Avenue North was these young, 
fairly good-looking young men, and they were singing these super heartfelt songs, and the young girls just went crazy. And I remember thinking, wait a second, this is this is no different than the young secular girls going crazy for One Direction. And I remember later, Mike Donahue, who was the lead singer for 10th Avenue North, you know, he started talking out about this. He's like, we weren't made to be praised like this and to have, you know, people clap every time we, we perform for them. And in fact, he went on to say, anything I want, I must also be okay with not having. Otherwise, it's idolatry. If you get a, a taste of success, um, sometimes it feels like that can be something that even the performer or the, the pastor or the speaker or the musician idolizes and goes after and wants that feeling of success rather than just serving the Lord. So how does the church address this in order that we avoid falling into this trap? Well, first of all, we have to recognize the problem, especially if there are people you know, around you who are super gifted, which thank God we have these people who are gifted with speaking and with singing or musical abilities or writing abilities or speaking abilities or whatever it is. I mean, we need people in God's army who can stand up against other people. We absolutely thank the Lord that he has given us these talented people to write songs for the church to worship and I mean, what a huge blessing it is. But we need to remember to encourage the vessel while continuing to praise God. So how does that look? So it looks like this. Instead of saying, you are amazing, we say, I am so thankful that God used you today. I needed to hear just that message or that song really touched my heart and I just Really thank the Lord that you're spending your time in that way and honoring him in that way. And I, I really want to encourage you to keep doing that. And then as we walk away, we pray that God keeps them humble and totally dependent on God. The second thing we need to do is make sure that we don't idolize these people who are leaders by... um just going along with whatever they say or whatever they do. You know, when a leader is not in line with the word, and I'm not talking about our preferences now, (laughs) there is a difference. I'm not talking about someone who um, chooses to preach in a way that I don't like. You know, if I want the pastor to stand behind his lectern and he's walking around the sanctuary, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when musicians or pastors or teachers or whoever says something that is not in line with the word of God how do we how do we react are we going to call them out or are we going to be okay with that no one and i mean no one is infallible i have yet to meet the perfect anyone <laughs> and how they respond when we say to them, hey, you know, this sounds a little off and I'm digging through scripture and this is what I see and is this what you meant or did you mean to say this? Am I taking this wrong? Can you correct me? Can you help me to understand where you're coming from? That really shows us 
where their heart is. And of course, you know, if this is a national preacher or musicians, it's not like you have their phone number. It's not like you can, you know, email them or say something to them. But I, I very distinctly remember, remember the time that a Christian band put something on Facebook that was not in line with the Word of God. And immediately people started saying, hey, hold on, did you mean to say that? Or did you mean this? Or, And, and I was really um, thrilled that people were saying, well, I, I think that's a little off. Are you sure that that's what you want? And they were kind about it, but they weren't, they weren't just going along with it. And again, the way that people respond when you say, ooh, that sounds a little off. Are, are you sure that's in line with God? I mean, it shows you where their heart is. Because pride will, um, look at the Old Testament kings, it will excuse, deny, justify, denounce anyone who dares to correct them. And God did warn us, as long as we're talking about the Old Testament kings, God made sure that we knew that this was absolutely something that is prone to happen. A lot of the good and godly Old Testament kings struggled with this. Asa, who had been really faithful to God, at the end of his life, he refused to ask God for help. He had this foot disease, and he went to doctor after doctor, but he never asked God for help. Hezekiah, he had seen this huge victory when the Assyrians came against him. And clearly, he was no match to the Assyrians. But God sent an angel to destroy the Assyrians. And then, not only that, but Hezekiah had an incurable disease. He was going to die. God told him to put his house in order. And yet, after Hezekiah prayed, God cured him. But then we're told that pride crept into his heart. Um, how about Uzziah? Uzziah walked with the Lord and God gave him amazing victories. But we're told in Second Chronicles 26, but after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. What about Solomon? Early in his reign, he humbly asked God for help because he knew he wasn't qualified. He said, I need wisdom, help me. And yet... After he was given wisdom, honor, riches, he followed his wife's idols. Joash, that young king, he became king when he was only uh, a few years old. He depended on the high priest for direction, but as soon as the high priest died, he deserted God. He decided to go his own way. So we can't think that anybody in our life is above becoming proud and above um, thinking that they, who dare correct me. And if we see that, that is a huge red light. So what do we do then? We start to pray for the person's heart. Because once pride becomes an issue, you know, we're told that God is opposed to the proud at heart. So if, if pride becomes an issue we really become unusable to God. God needs people who will do things his way, not our way. Third, do not underestimate the importance of boundaries. And this works both ways. So it works for the person who is, you know, in the leadership 
position or the musician or whoever it is with this incredible talent that God has given them. It works that they need to put boundaries in place to keep their heart in check. No one is above temptation. So um, the two leaders that I told you about that had fallen into sexual sin, uh, by all accounts, they hadn't they hadn't kept those boundaries in place. They didn't have good accountability. They thought they were above that. Um, so the leaders have to do it, but we also have to do it. So I encourage my female ministry friends, you know, probably 10 to 1 to my male ministry friends, only because um, I don't think my, na- my male friends need me to be doting on them. Their wife can do it. Their other male friends. I'll send encouragement once in a while. But, you know, I'm much more giving with my encouragement to my female friends. Just because I feel as a married Christian woman, I don't want anybody getting the wrong idea. And you just can't go wrong with transparency, with accountability, with um erring on the side of being careful. Look at the Apostle Paul. He was rarely, if ever, alone. He switched up his ministry partners among his small but trusted friends. But he was usually, for the most part, always with someone. Even even when it isn't necessarily reported that he's with somebody, Luke was keeping track in the book of Acts. And so we know Luke was with him. And so You know, I think that's just a good example to us to make sure those boundaries are in place and and make sure that we're taking those extra precautions so that we don't fall into temptation and so that we don't think that we're above temptation. And finally, we need to make sure we're not getting sucked into appearances If we're drawn to the people who look the best or dress the best or who make us laugh, then eventually we're going to be disappointed because either our favorite people are going to have to invest more time into fitness or surgery or hair dye or clothes, or we're going to just chase after the next shiny thing. God continually speaks through undeserving vessels. And if we focus on the vessel, we might just miss God. It's a sad truth that we so often take God's blessings and use them to replace God. And maybe it's easier to do that now than our, that we're in this you know, social media driven world where people can tell us their favorite color and their favorite food and we can see how personable they are and we can see their family and oh isn't that sweet and isn't that great and oh they made us laugh and that's why it's so important that we keep God and his word as our focus and pray for God's servants um, whatever capacity they're working in 1 Peter 1 tells us all people are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Listen, we don't need to get too attached to the people down here because we're all going to eventually die. God is the one 
that's going to keep going. He is going to continue on even long after we're dead and buried. David Crowder is uh, well known to be my favorite musician. And years and years ago, I was listening to an interview that he did. And I paused the video and I got out a pen and I wrote it down and I keep it on the bulletin board next to my computer because I thought it really captured the way that I need to make sure I, I feel as a leader. David Crowder said this, and of course he's talking about writing songs for the church to sing. He said, it's a really, really scary thing to stand here, to put words in people's mouths to say to God. It's terrifying to me. You potentially could mess someone up for, I don't know, eternity. The reason I keep that by my bulletin board is because I want to make sure that I'm taking my role seriously. I'm not just being flippant with my words, and I'm not thoughtfully and prayerfully going to God's word to make sure that um, what I'm saying is lining up with God's word. I don't want to say things that lead people astray. That that potential, like David Crowder said, to mess somebody up for eternity, man, I'm going to stand before God for that. I better take what I'm doing seriously. Jesus said, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, but that's not how you are. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Ministry, plain and simply, is serving. And that's how we want to look at this. Those who have been put in leadership positions have a greater responsibility to serve. That's their role. It is not that they should be elevated. I remember when Peter went to Cornelius's house and Cornelius bowed down and he said, stand up for I'm a man just as you are. That's our attitude. That's how we should be. Daniel absolutely brilliantly got this right. In chapter two of the book of Daniel, um, Daniel has a knock on his door. And Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, went to put Daniel and all the wise men to death. And when he came to Daniel's door, we're told that Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact and, and asked, well, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And after Ariak got done explaining what was going on. Daniel said, well, just take me to the king. And he asked for time to interpret the dream that the, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, would not tell the wise men what the dream was. They said, He said, you have to tell me what the dream is and the meaning, and then I know that you're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing and not making stuff up. So as soon as Daniel got back home, He told his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego about it. And then he urged them to pray. And they did. They did. And in the middle of the night, God gave the meaning of the vision to Daniel. Now, Daniel didn't go and say, all right, guys, this is how it's going to work. God gave the vision, the meaning, the interpretation to me. So clearly, 
I'm going to be in charge. No, he didn't do that. He went to the commander of the king's guard and Aryak brought Daniel and his friends to the king and he immediately wanted to take credit for it. He said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. Well, in truth, Daniel had gone to Ariok and said, Hey, I, I know what the dream means. Can you take me back to the king? So there you have the commander of the guard who's trying to pull himself up and make it look like he's done something. Daniel didn't do that. Daniel went before Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar said, Hey, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel replied and said, uh, No wise man enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked us about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has shown you what will happen in the days ahead. So Daniel explained the dream, and then we're told, the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Daniel wasn't trying to get ahead, and he wasn't trying to make himself out to be the most important person in the room. He was bringing his friends up with him, and he was giving credit to God while he was at it. And that's, that's really the key right there. That's all of, of what uh, leadership is in a nutshell. It is giving the credit to God, coming alongside other people, raising them up, helping them, helping them to use their talents and abilities in God's kingdom. I love um, when older people bring younger people alongside of them and they work together with them because really the younger people are the next generation to lead the church. And if we're all honest, every day we're one step closer to heaven. That's really how we're meant to do ministry is hand in hand with others and nobody. And I mean, nobody does ministry alone. When you hear this podcast, it's because there's a whole lot of people who are behind it. There's a pastor who reviews it to make sure that I'm not saying what I shouldn't be saying. There's a producer who's editing and adding music and making sure everything sounds great. There's an editor who's editing content. There's a whole bunch of people who are putting it on Facebook and media sites and uploading it and and helping Time of Grace get noticed. And it's not a one-man show. And that's how it is for all these things. Your Christian musicians, pastors, nobody does what they do alone. There's always people working alongside of them. And that's why it is so, so very silly to make the front person into an idol. And that's not saying anything about all the people in the background praying 
praying that the words that people say are are met in people's hearts and that they go on to have meaning and produce faith and help to strengthen faith and encourage people and lift them up and keep them from falling into sin and those prayers and all those people saying those prayers they are hand in hand in that ministry too so there's no room for idols in the christian church just servants who are serving hand in hand with all the other servants this has been little things because in god's kingdom the little things are the big things.